Good morning. Welcome to the Church of the Palms. My name is Linda Halderman, and I serve as a shepherding deacon and a tutor in our congregation. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us bow our heads as we prepare for worship. We seek to gather as children of your realm, reigning God. This is the time and place of your dominion. We recognize that you, not we, prescribe the rules under which life can be rich and full and free. Help us in this hour to embrace the best we know. Open our thoughts and feelings so we may learn better ways. We approach you with boldness, daring to question and make requests, knowing that your grace and mercy exceed our wildest imagining, and your guidance is ever available to those who ask. Amen. Now, as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the land. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God, it is he that made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Let us worship God. We are the people of God, but scripture reminds us that we still sin. For our own healing, we need to confess our sins, knowing that the Lord Jesus intercedes for us with the Father, who freely forgives us through his infinite goodness and mercy. So let us draw near to God with sincerity and confidence and confess our sins together. Let us pray. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. 
We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have refused to hear the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. God is full of compassion, and he is slow to anger. He forgives all who humbly repent and trust in his Son as Savior and Lord. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. state what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now let us all turn and greet our neighbors in the love of Christ.
Well, good morning. It's great to see you all here this morning on this beautiful day. We're glad that we can be together, gathered up as God's people to be about the most important thing of our week, which is to praise the good Lord for all that God has done for us. And so we're glad that we can be together and then to be commissioned into the world to do that which God has called us to do so that we may shine the light of Christ in the world. So we hope that you will experience both of those things, both the worship of God as well as the commissioning of God uh, in our time together here today. We invite you to fill out the friendship pads which are in the pews and pass those along. Take note, we would love to get your email address because we find that our best and most immediate way of communicating to you throughout the course of the week is through our email blast to our membership. <coughs> our membership. And uh, we don't wanna just have to wait between Sundays to communicate with you. We would love to be able to get word out to you about events and changes of uh, calendar and all those kinds of things that you may want to know in a timely fashion. So take note of that. Make sure you get that email address down there. Uh, that gives us the permission then to give you an opportunity to hear about what is going on in the life of our church. We do have a new members class today, and if you would like to learn more about what does it mean to be a part of this mission of, of Church of the Palms to equip disciples for the service of Christ, if you'd like to learn more about what it is that we do together and how we do it, we would love to have you come over to the chapel reception room, which is that building right over there, right after the service, and uh, we have a class, and you'll have the opportunity to join the church today if you would like to, and uh, I would just love the opportunity to get to know you a little bit better, so hopefully you'll come and join us for that. This coming Friday, the Presbyterian women will be having their luncheon, and we encourage you to take note of that, and uh, there will be opportunity to sign up for that underneath the tree, and uh, we would love for you to join in that great fellowship. On October the 24th, we have our trunk or treat, uh, where we will be uh, encouraging you to decorate your car as a biblical character. And then we're gonna be out there in the parking lot over uh, in the front parking lot there and it will be an opportunity for us to reach out to families of our early childhood center as well as to families in our immediate neighborhood and as well as to convey a little bit about the story that we're talking about here in the sanctuary, the great story of God and the great characters of, uh, of God in, in the scripture. So we would love to have you join us for that. If you'd like to learn more about that, you can sign up underneath the tree after uh, the service. And uh, I was looking forward to seeing how you decorate your car. <laughs> we had a great day yesterday. Uh, dozens of our folks were over in the, in, the, in the campus center learning about leadership. And Rick Howell led us in a great conversation about what is the interior life of a leader and how can a leader be self-aware in terms of reaching out to those that are in their sphere of influence. So it was a great time and we encourage you and always invite you to come and be a part of those uh, gatherings. Speaking of gatherings, we're having an IF gathering uh, coming up and this is a new uh, outreach to women in our church and in our community. We're very excited about this. It's an opportunity for women in our community to come together, talk about things of God and what is God up to in their lives and how God might make a difference in their life. We wanna show you a little bit of a video here to kind of explain what all that is and then Colleen Buckmeyer is gonna share with us a little bit more after the video. If God is real, then we want more than anything to live like it. We want to be a part of this epic story, even if it is in the smallest of ways. 
Every one of our souls aches to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. We just have to remember that we already are. Something about the power of women in every city, in countries around the world, all standing up and saying, you know what, I, I want God like this. I want to matter. This isn't about building some big movement where everybody leaves their places and they come to us. This is about if being completely bought into people and believing that women in their churches, in their neighborhoods, in their homes are already having an impact. We just want to resource them. We want to give them what they need to come around tables and to eat together and dream together and hope together and to lift each other's heads and to remember the story that we're a part of. If I'm being honest, and of course, why wouldn't I be here in this intimate gathering of all my closest friends? Uh, I say I believe in God, and yet I continue to worry and to fret and to try to control and fix things, and many times I doubt that things will be okay. Through my limited human lens, I just don't see how they could be. If gathering is a resource for women like me, women of all generations and all denominations and all races who yearn to live out God's calling to lead lives where we don't just say we believe, but we live like we believe. Our event on October 24th will feature recorded segments from the live IF gathering that took place in February. Christian women, including best-selling authors Jen Hatmaker, Ann Voskamp, Jenny Allen, who you saw in the video, and Christine Kane, honestly and beautifully articulate their own struggles with doubt and how, in spite of these doubts, they have seen God come through for them time and time again. Using the book of Joshua, we will explore what happens when we are strong, when we are courageous, and when we trust that God is with us wherever we go. Our gathering will also include live worship, and time to join in conversation, exploring how we can, with one another's help and support, live lives that reflect a deep, abiding, doubt-free faith. We start at 8 a.m. on Saturday the 24th and run until 5. There is childcare available, and you can learn more or sign up either under the oak tree or online. I'm very, very hopeful that we will see many of you there. Thank you.
Let us unite together in prayer. Lord of Lords, you gather us here under the protective shelter of your holy sanctuary. We praise you for drawing us near to you, for calling together your people and seeking us out. We come to you knowing that you hear our prayers, spoken and silent, and in the power of your spirit, you give them voice and intention that we cannot create ourselves. You know each prayer before it leaves our lips. So hear us now as we gather in faith and in silence before you. <clears throat> we acknowledge the gifts so freely given, this beautiful area, friends to sit alongside us, partners to accompany us on our journey of life, grandchildren and children to give our lives hope. And above all, Lord, we thank you for creating our home in you. We do thank you and take a moment to think of this wonderful Church of the Palms. Bless those who have dedicated themselves to teaching our children and young people the stories of your truth. Bless the musicians who reach into our souls with voice and instrument in ways words cannot seem to stir. Bless those who usher and who greet and plan and prepare and clean and organize and all of the detailed ways in which your people come to life as the body of Christ in this corner of the world. We've been blessed with the fruits of labors through generations who heard your call to create this church. 
And we pray you'll give us the strength and the capability and creativity to be good stewards, ensuring future generations will find a sanctuary to worship you and learn of your love. We bring you our prayers and our petitions. We pray for those who have lost loved ones this summer, quite a few. In your great mercy, O God, sustain them. When we stand with our loved ones who are sick, you stand with us. When we mourn and mourn for the one who has died, you cry with us. We pray for those who are enduring illness and treatments. Grant that they may be relieved of their pain and healed in all the powers that you possess on earth and in heaven. We pray for the hardest places of the world today, for refugees seeking safe harbor, that you might give each person in some way a place, a possible purpose, and a way forward. For those overcome by violence, for victims of injustice or oppression, and for those in poverty and pain, we pray. And for continued peace in our country, especially for the places where racism and religious hatred divide us. O oh Lord, give us the gift of transformation in the relationships that separate us from extending your love. Help us in this body to share our burdens with one another. Weave us together with ties that cannot be broken so that we can be your hands and your feet in the world, caring for one another and caring for those who have no one to care for them. Be with us when the way is dark, when life is cold, warm us with your breath. When doubts arise and fears descend, lift us from these burdens. And now we pray that you will energize Steve with your Holy Spirit as he shares your word for us this morning. And so, O oh Lord, we let love speak as we gather our voices and pray the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now we're asking the ushers to come forward to lead us in the giving of our tithes and offerings.
pray. Lord, in response to your, your generous gift, the gift of your Son for our sins and our salvation, we offer this as a thanks offering, wishing we could do more, but grateful for what this privilege affords us. And we thank you for the opportunity to give. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. And now we're asking the children to come forward and join Lori. Thanks, Pastor Allen. Hey, Maddie, how are you? Good morning. Good morning, good morning. Such a great day to be here. I am so happy to see all of you guys. So we're going to start out with a game of who am I? Because the way our Bible stories go together, it is so cool. All right, so here's your first clue. You're going to get three clues. All three, Sam, all three clues. I was a baby stuck in a basket, sent down a river. Two more clues to come. Second clue, accidentally killed someone who was hurting my guys, so I became a shepherd. I ran away and became a shepherd. Clue number three, while I was out just minding my own business and taking care of my sheep, I saw this fire on a bush, and the bush didn't burn up. And I heard the voice of God who said, mm-mm, take your sandals off because you are standing on holy ground. Who am I? Oh, Olivia, do you know? Sorry, Sam. Moses. Moses, yes! I am Moses. Okay, keep that thought in your mind. Moses, Moses, Moses. I got to do a quick commercial, okay? Do you guys know what a commercial is? Yeah, oh, that's good. Actually, here's the commercial. Right after the IF conference, from 6 to 8, on October 24th, we are doing Trunk or Treat. It may sound scary, but all you have to do is decorate the back of your car, and you could use one of those three stories. You could decorate it like a nursery, have a basket with a baby, put some blue fabric down, and you've got Moses. You could do an Egyptian one with some cardboard pyramids. Very cool. You could even come over here get a little fire going, have some sheep and shepherds. Why would you do that? You know what? These guys are going to come dressed up, and that's fun, and that will give them candy, and that's great, and we love you guys. It's awesome. It's not about them. It's about our families in the preschool who maybe don't have a church home. It's about our tutoring families who maybe don't have a relationship with God yet. It's about the kids and families in this neighborhood, and you know what we want to do? We want to give them a little story of God at every single trunk. But more than that, we want them to feel the love of God at every single place. And maybe they make a connection. Just maybe they make a connection and they come back to see us again. Who are we talking about? Thank you, Moses. Moses goes up on the mountain. He gets something so important from God, he puts it in stone. It's that important. It was the Ten Commandments. Do you remember when we did the Ten Commandments over the summer? Do you guys remember any of them at all? Love God more than anyone. Come on, help me. Love God more than anything. Always say God's name with love and respect. Rest on the Sabbath. Love and honor your mom and dad. This is one of my favorite ones. Never hurt anyone. Always be faithful to your spouse. Got another one. Do not steal. Always 
tell the truth, and you know my favorite, be happy with what you have. Wow, those 10 rules give us a framework. They guide us towards that abundant life, but guess what? There were more rules than that, and one time someone asked Jesus, what's the most important rule of all? And you know what Jesus said? Love, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And there's one more that's like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's that simple. Love God, love neighbor, abundant life. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, you are the God of love. Thank you, God, for loving us so big and so much. Help us to love others that same way. Amen.
You may be seated. <clears throat> this morning, the uh, first of our lessons from Deuteronomy is the second of uh, two records uh, in the Bible of what you and I have come to know as the Ten Commandments, minus the uh, sign language. The Decalogue, as other uh, biblical scholars would put it, the ten basic laws that are given to the people of Israel as they are making their trek across the Sinai wilderness on their way to the Promised Land. These are the laws that are given to Moses, and Moses receives them and then gives them to the people in the wilderness. And it is, in essence, these Ten Commandments, they are the foundational laws of the Old Testament from which all the other laws, hundreds of other laws, are an extension. For the most part, the people of God have seen the Ten Commandments as the foundation upon which to live a holy and righteous life. So with this in mind, let's listen to this account of the Ten Commandments. It comes to us from Deuteronomy chapter five. Hear the word of God. Hear, O Israel, the statutes and ordinances that I am addressing to you today, says Moses. You shall learn them and observe them diligently. The Lord our God made a covenant with us at Horeb. Not with our ancestors did the Lord make this covenant, but with us who are all of us here alive today. The Lord spoke with your face to face with you face to face at the mountain out of the fire. And at that time I was standing between the Lord and you to declare to you the words of the Lord, for you were afraid because of the fire and did not go up onto the mountain. And he said, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of parents to the third and fourth generations of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male or female slave or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the resident alien in your town so that your, so that your male and female slave may rest as well as you. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you so that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder neither shall you commit adultery, neither shall you steal, neither shall you bear false witness against your neighbor, 
And neither shall you covet your neighbor's wife, neither shall you desire your neighbor's house or field or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Our second lesson comes to us from the Gospel according to Matthew, the 19th chapter, wherein Jesus provides for us a commentary on the Ten Commandments. Beginning at the 16th verse, then someone came to Jesus and said, Teacher, what good deed must I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good, who if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother. Also, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, well, I've kept all these things, what do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, if you wish to be perfect, go sell your possessions, give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this word, he went away grieving, for he had many possessions. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ, where we pray this in his name, amen. <clears throat> One of my sabbatical excursions this summer took me to the city of Boston to perform a wedding. And on one of my morning walks while I was in the city, I happened onto a place that I had heard about, but I had never visited. It was the Boston Public Garden. Many of you have been to the Boston Public Garden. The Boston Public Garden is the first public garden in the United States. The dream of it began back in 1837 when the philanthropist Horace Gray had this idea to take a very valuable piece of land in the middle of the city upon which later high rises could have risen and corporate centers could have been built and transportation hubs could have been located, functional facilities to serve and expand the tax base. To take this land and instead of using it for such practical and functional purposes, to dedicate the purposes of it to maintaining a botanical oasis in the midst of a bustling city. 24 acres of prime real estate, a lot of land to give over to a garden in the middle of the city. But they did it, and what you find today is this lovely rectangle of land, 15 to 20 square city blocks worth, filled with the most spectacular gardens, this serene place from which to, to which to retreat from the crazy world and to take in the beautiful flowers and monuments and stroll down the quiet lanes so as to just rediscover a little piece of beauty. And the most beautiful part of the public garden is that it's public. It's not only open to the public, it's available to the public morning, moon, noon, and night. Morning, noon, and night, anyone can walk in and enjoy these beautiful grounds. No admission fee, no security check. 
simply there for you to enjoy anytime you want. And what is perhaps the most amazing about this place is that as you are free to come and go, and thousands, of course, come and go every day, the garden is kept in the most pristine of conditions. When you walk in, you feel like you should have paid admission. But you haven't because the gates have been flung open and you are welcome to the sanctuary of beauty and goodness. And is there anything really more lovely than to stumble upon a lush and beautiful garden? No surprise then that the Bible begins with a garden and ends with a garden. Right, we, we all know about the Garden of Eden, the first public garden, where Adam and Eve are given charge to take care of the garden of creation for us all to enjoy, virtually a heaven on earth. Life begins in this beautiful Garden of Eden, and then at the end of the story, there is the garden at the end of the Bible. Revelation talks about being, this garden being within the new Jerusalem, the heavenly city wherein is found the river of the water of life and the tree of life. No less beautiful than the Garden of Eden. So two gardens, the Garden of Eden, the New Jerusalem, and now as most of us know, the story goes that in between those gardens, Adam and Eve have proven themselves unworthy of taking care of the garden. They are expelled, thrown out of the garden, and not only thrown out, but the gate to the public garden has been closed. Cherubim with flaming swords stands as a security guard. It's a way of explaining to the reader that you and I do not live any longer in Shangri-La. We are not in Kansas anymore. The world is a messy place and there's no going back. And faith, the faith of God's people is to look ahead to that other world where the garden of the river of life and the tree of life are found. And the whole point of the story is this, that God is this perpetual gardener. God is this gardener from beginning to end with every hope that his children will come and enjoy the garden. And there is this yearning right deep down in each of us, right, to find our way to that beautiful garden of God which might explain why Jesus on more than one occasion gets asked about inheriting eternal life. In our story this morning, it happens to be a, a man that other accounts call a rich young ruler. He, he wants to know how to achieve eternal life. In other words, he's asking, how do I find myself on that path to the garden, to that eternal garden? How do I find the path to the garden of the river and tree of life? It's interesting that when Jesus gets asked this question about what's the way to the garden, he answers on more than one occasion by pointing the questioner to the Ten Commandments. What's in the law, Jesus asks. And the answer is the Ten Commandments. So Jesus says, if you want to inherit eternal life, pay attention to the commandments. Now, it's really easy that when we hear Jesus say, follow the Ten Commandments, when we hear Moses say, follow the Ten Commandments, it's really easy to hear 
in those words that God is simply trying to give us answers to the test. Kind of sneaking us answers to the test. Answers to the test at which some point we're going to have to take. And that religion then becomes this matter of knowing the answers to the test that at some point we're going to have to take, hopefully not too soon. Which might explain the strange relationship that human beings have generally with the Ten Commandments. It's been my experience as a pastor that when it comes to the Ten Commandments, we have sort of a, an approach avoidance thing going on. We, we like the idea of the Ten Commandments. We're in favor of them. We think they're good to have around. We think everyone should follow them, especially other members of our family should follow them. Some of us even like the idea of them being on a monument in a public square. And, and we know they provide some sort of framework for good and righteous living. We like the idea of there being some set of guidelines for doing good things, and yet strangely, we're a little fuzzy when it comes to the Ten Commandments on the details. We may even be at a loss to name them. As important as Jesus thought them to be, it might be a little unnerving to think of him asking us the same question he asks others when he says, what are the commandments? And maybe the reason we would be flummoxed a bit is that there has been this huge disconnect for us, and the disconnect is that we keep forgetting that God is the perpetual gardener. He begins the story with, with a garden, he ends the story with a garden, but the truth is he's never, never stops gardening. God is trying to stir up the soil in each of our lives. And it doesn't take much to figure that out when you spend time in Jesus' ministry and his teaching. It doesn't take much to figure out that pretty much the whole MO for Jesus, the whole modus operandi for his teaching is to challenge us to bear fruit, right? It is the theme he comes back to over and over again. Live the fruitful life. Every tree is known by its fruit. By your fruit you shall know them. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who hears the word and understands it yields fruit a hundredfold. Jesus, you see, is looking to point, put into us and take out of us a garden. And then you begin to realize that these Ten Commandments Jesus keeps pointing us to are his means to stir up the soil to start a garden. This is Jesus' prescription for the beautiful life. The psalmist says, those who meditate on the law are like trees planted by streams of water which yield their fruit in its season and their leaves do not wither. In all that they do, they prosper. You see, it's not just about us getting to the garden. It's about getting the garden into us. Jesus says, I come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Paul says it a different way and says, it's the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and generosity and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, this beautifully gracious and peaceful life that God is always inviting us into. The flowering garden in the midst of a troubled world, 
And then on top of it, Jesus says, not only do I want to plant this beautiful garden in you, this beautiful life inside of you, but I want to invite people into it. He says to the rich young ruler, follow the commandments. And the ruler says, well, I've, I've done all that. Then Jesus says, okay, now invite someone into it. Sell everything you have, give the money to the poor. Make your garden a public garden and invite the neighbor, the stranger, the poor, the hungry, maybe even the dangerous, to come inside your garden. That was the big debate, right, with the Pharisees. The Pharisees kind of liked the idea that religion was about doing all the right things so as to separate yourself from the other, the stranger, the poor, the hungry, the potentially dangerous. That's why they actually called the Pharisees the separate ones. Keep the commandments, they said, then build yourself a good wall. So keep everyone out. Get yourself your own little private garden. And that, right, is the temptation of piety to create this little spot of holiness and then make sure not to mix it up with those who might compromise, who might step into the garden, put a wall around the garden. I think that's a struggle for a lot of us to live the abundant life, to live this flowering life of obedience, trying to immerse ourselves in the beautiful soil and seed of the commandments, and at the same time not walling ourselves from those around us. Because, you know, if there's anything folks say about religious people is that we've got these great big walls, we've got these barriers, these gates that we keep locking to keep certain kinds of people out, that our gardens are really not public gardens, that we're a little insecure when it comes to letting any stranger in, especially ones that don't look or act or agree with us. Perhaps if we let these folks into our lives, we say to ourselves, if we let them in, maybe they might trample our flower beds and there's no telling else what they might do. So better to build a wall. And of course, that's what got Jesus in the most trouble, right? He wanted the walls down. He wanted a public garden, the botanical garden called the church, filled with the flowering of the law, the fruit of the Spirit, and, and that door, and that door, and that door, and that door being wide open for anyone who should come our way. And, and not just doors with hinges and panic bars, but doors into the interiors of our lives. Not as judgment, not as, well, you know, you got to do it exactly the way I do it, not with some sense of superiority, but with this invitation to come and experience the work of the gardener in me. It makes sense that when they asked Jesus about what was the greatest of all the laws, Jesus said, well, of course, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. But then remember, love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, there's no point of having a garden if, you're, if no one can come to see it. The elders and deacons and staff are right now reading a book called Tattoos on the Heart, written by a Catholic priest, Father Gregory Boyle, whose mission it has been for the past 25 years to reside in the most dangerous of neighborhoods in this country, Boyle Heights of Los Angeles, a part of the world overrun by gangs and street violence. But that's where the good father has deposited himself. 
And the book really is sort of a story of what it looks like to be a garden in a hard, hard world, a public garden, a safe haven of grace. And what redemption can possibly take place if we open our lives to the stranger, to the poor, to the dangerous? It's not all pretty. Some things work out well and some things are tragic. And at one point, Father Boyle writes this. He says, there is a longing in all of us to be God enthralled, so enthralled that to those hunkered down in their disgrace or in their shadow of death, we become to them transparent messengers of God's own tender mercy. We want to be seized by the same tenderness of God and thus bear the largeness of God. The largeness of God. We, we follow the commandments to be enthralled by God so that we might then bear the largeness of God. It's why not a sentence of this sermon was written without my thinking of a man I've known since I was 18 years old. He was a professor at my college. He taught religion. He knew his Old Testament. He knew his New Testament. He knew the Ten Commandments. And I knew he knew these things not because I took any class from him, because I didn't. I knew he knew these things because he and his wife opened their lives to me. And not just to me, but to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of other college kids just like me, college students, you know, college students with a lot of baggage, a lot of crazy ideas, a lot of insecurity, a lot of opinions, a lot of brokenness. And they just let us into their lives. Some of us were smart and some were not so smart. Some were white, some were black, some were conservative, some were liberal, some believed, some didn't believe, some were straight, some were gay, some were addicted, some were clean. But we all found our way into this garden, the public garden. And we saw the fruit, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and generosity and faithfulness and self-control. And we thought, or at least I thought, wow, life can be good. <laughs> life can be beautiful. These are gardens in the midst of a misty world. And they're found inside people like this good, faithful people who bear the largeness of God. And maybe I said to myself, maybe someday I can be like that. And you, what about you? Have you wondered that about yourself? That whatever place you have found yourself in this world, 
Maybe that's the very place for a garden to grow. A beautiful garden. A beautiful public garden. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.
ました。